flying saucer, Marco said. He'd laugh. That is, until he looked up. I could feel my own heart pounding in my chest. I felt weird and excited and afraid, all at once. It's coming this way, Rachel said. It's hard to be sure, I could barely whisper, my mouth was so dry. No, it's coming this way, Rachel said. She had a very definite way of talking, like she's totally sure of everything she says. Rachel was right. Whatever it was, it was coming closer, and it was slowing down. Now I could see pretty clearly what it looked like. It's not exactly a flying saucer, I said. First of all, it wasn't all that big. It was about as long as a school bus. The front end was a pod, shaped almost like an egg. Extending from the back of the pod was a long, narrow shaft. There were two crooked, stubby, wing-like things, and on the end of each wing was a long tube that glowed bright blue on the back end. The little spaceship looked almost cute. You know, kind of harmless. Except that it had a sort of tail, a mean-looking tail that curved up and forward, coming to a point that looked as sharp as a needle. That tail thing, I said. It looks like a weapon. Definitely, Marco agreed. The little ship kept coming nearer, going slower all the time. It's stopping, Rachel said. She had the same strange, not-quite-real tone in her voice that I had, like we couldn't believe what we were seeing, like maybe we didn't want to believe. I think it sees us, Margot said. Should we run? Maybe we should run home and get a camera. Do you know how much money we could get for a video of a real UFO? If we run, they might, I don't know, zap us with phasers on full power, I said. I meant it as a joke. Kind of. Phasers are only on Star Trek, Marco said, rolling his eyes the way he does when he thinks I'm being a dweeb. Like he's some kind of expert on alien spaceships. Right. The ship stopped and hovered almost directly over our heads, maybe a hundred feet in the air. I could feel the hair on my head standing on end. When I glanced at Rachel, it was almost funny. She had this long blonde hair and it was sticking straight out in every direction. Only Cassie looked normal. What do you think it is? Marco asked. He sounded a little shakier, not so laid back now that the thing was so close. To be honest, I was a little scared too. A little scared, as in so terrified I couldn't move. But at the same time, it was all cool beyond any coolness ever. I mean, it was a spaceship! Right there over my head! Tobias was actually grinning, but that's Tobias for you. He's never scared of weird stuff. It's the normal stuff he can't stand. I think it's going to land, he said this huge smile on his face. His eyes were bright and excited, and his blonde hair was standing up in clumps. The ship began to descend. It's coming right at us, I cried. I had to fight the urge to run, yammering across the field, all the way home, where I could crawl into my bed and pull the covers over my head. But I knew that this was an important, amazing thing. I knew I had to stay and see it all. I guess the others felt the same way, because we all just stood there as the ship hummed and glowed and softly settled down in an open space between piles of junk and tumbled walls. I noticed there were black burn marks along the top of the pod section. Some of the skin of the pod had been melted. It touched the ground and instantly the blue lights went off. Rachel's hair fell back down onto her neck. It isn't very big, is it? Rachel whispered. It's about... I tried to think. About three or four times as big as our minivan. We should tell someone, Marco said. I mean, this is kind of major, you know? Spaceships don't just land in construction sites every day. We should call the cops, or the army, or the president, or something. We'd be totally famous. We'd get on Letterman, for sure. Yeah, you're right, I agreed. We should call someone. But none of us moved. 
None of us was just going to walk away from a spaceship. I wonder if we should try to talk to it, Rachel suggested. She was standing there with her hands on her hips looking at the spaceship like it was a puzzle she had to figure out. I mean, we should communicate, if that's even possible. Tobias nodded. He stepped forward and held out his hands. I guess he was showing whoever was in the ship he wasn't carrying any kind of weapon or anything. It's safe, he said in a loud, clear voice. We won't hurt you. Do you think they speak English? I wondered. Well, everyone speaks English on Star Trek, Cassie said with a nervous laugh. Tobias tried again. Please, come out. We won't hurt you. I know. I froze. Okay. I had definitely heard someone say, I know, only there hadn't been any sound. I mean, I heard it, but I didn't really hear it. Maybe this was all a dream. I looked kind of sideways at Cassie. She looked back at me. Our eyes met. She had heard it too. I looked at Rachel. She was turning her head back and forth, like she was looking for where the, that sound that wasn't a sound could have come from. I started to get a sick, twisty feeling in my stomach. Did everyone hear that? Tobias whispered. We all nodded at once, very slowly. Can you come out? Tobias asked in his loud, talking to aliens voice. Yes. Do not be frightened. We won't be frightened, Tobias said. Speak for yourself, I muttered. The others giggled nervously. A thin arc of light appeared, a doorway opening slowly in the smooth side of the pod part of the ship. I stood there, totally hypnotized. I just stared, waiting. The opening grew like a crescent moon at first, then a full bright circle, and then he appeared. My first reaction was that someone had cloned a person and a deer together. The creature had a head and shoulders and arms that were more or less where they should have been, though the skin was a pale shade of blue. But below that, he had fur, a mix of blue and tan, covering a four-legged body that really did look like it belonged to a deer, or maybe a small horse. He ducked his head out of the doorway, and I could see that even the fairly normal-looking parts of him weren't all that normal. For a start, he had no mouth, just three vertical slits. And then there were his eyes. Two of them were where they should have been, although they were a kind of glittery green color that was kind of shocking. But the real shock was the other eyes. He had what seemed like horns, only on the top of each horn was an eye. The horns could move, twisting to point the eyes front and back or up and down. I thought the eyes were bad until I saw the tail. It was a scorpion's tail, thick and powerful looking. On the end was a wickedly curved, very sharp looking horn or stinger. It reminded me of the alien spaceship. It had seemed kind of cute and harmless, till you noticed the tail. The alien seemed kind of harmless at first glance too. Then you saw the tail of his, and you thought, whoa, this guy could do some damage if he wanted. Hello, Tobias said. His voice was gentle, like he was talking to a baby. He was grinning. I realized I was smiling too, and at the same moment I realized that there were tears in my eyes. I can't really describe how it felt, except that it seemed like the alien was someone I'd known forever, like an old friend I hadn't seen in a long, long time. Hello, the alien said in that silent way that you only heard inside your head. Hi, we all said back. To my surprise, the alien staggered. He fell out of the ship to the ground. Tobias tried to grab him and hold him up, but the alien slipped from its grasp and fell back to the dirt. Look, Cassie cried. She pointed at a burn that covered half the alien's right side. He's hurt. Yes, I am dying, he said. Can we help you? We can call an ambulance or something, Marco said. We can bandage that wound, Cassie said. Jake, give me your shirt. We can tear it up and make bandages. 
Cassie's parents are both veterinarians, and she's totally into animals. Not that this was an animal. Not exactly, anyway. No, I will die. The wound is fatal. No, I cried. You can't die. You're the first alien ever to come to Earth. You can't die. I don't know why I was so upset. I just knew that way deep down inside, it hurt me to think of him dying. I am not the first. There are many, many others. Other aliens? Like you? Tobias demanded. The alien shook his big head slowly, side to side. Not like me. Then he cried out in pain, a silent sound that echoed horribly inside my mind. For a moment, I had actually felt him dying. Not like me, he repeated. They are different. Different? How? I said. I will remember his answer forever. He said, They have come to destroy you. Chapter 3 They have come to destroy you. It was strange the way we all just knew he was telling the truth. No one said, no way, or you're making it up. We all just knew. He was dying and he was trying to warn us of something terrible. They are called Yurks. They are different from us. Different from you as well. Are you telling me they're already here on Earth? Rachel demanded. Many are here. Hundreds. Maybe more. Why hasn't anybody noticed them? Marco said reasonably. I think someone would have mentioned it at school. You do not understand. Yurks are different. They have no body like yours or mine. They live in the bodies of other species. They are... I guess he couldn't think of a word to explain Yurks, so he closed his eyes and seemed to concentrate. Suddenly, a bright picture popped into my head. I saw a grey-green slimy thing like a snail without a shell, only bigger. The size of a rat, maybe. It wasn't a pretty picture. I'm guessing that was a yerk, Marco said. Either that or a very big wad of slimy chewing gum. They are almost powerless without hosts. They- Suddenly, we felt that blast of pain straight from the alien. I could also feel his sadness. He knew his time was almost up. The yerks are parasites. They must have a host to live in. In this form, they are known as controllers. They enter the brain and are absorbed into it, taking over the host's thoughts and feelings. They try to get the host to accept them voluntarily. It's easier this way. Otherwise, the host may be able to resist. At least a little. Are you saying they take over human beings? Rachel said. People? These things take over their bodies? Look, this is serious stuff, I said. You shouldn't be telling us. We're just kids, you know. This is like something the government should know about. We had hoped to stop them, the alien continued. Swarms of their bugfighters were waiting when our dome ship came out of Z-space. We knew of their mothership and were ready for the bugfighters. But the Yurks surprised us. They had a hidden powerful blade ship in the crater of your moon. We fought, but we lost. They have tracked me here. They will be here soon eliminate all traces of me and my ship. How can they do that? Cassie wondered. The alien seemed to smile with his eyes. Their dracon beams will leave nothing behind but a few molecules of this ship and this body. He said, I sent a message to my homeworld. 
We Andalites fight the Yurks wherever they go throughout the universe. My people will send help, but it may take a year, even more, and by then the Yurks will have control of this planet. After that, there is no hope. You must tell people. You must warn people. Another spasm of pain ripped through him, and we all knew he was nearly gone. No one is going to believe us, Marco said hopelessly. He looked at me and shook his head. No way. He was right. If these Yurks were to wipe out the Andalite ship, how on earth would we ever convince people? They think we were either nuts or on drugs. I don't care if he thinks he's going to die. We have to try and help him, Rachel said. We can get him to a hospital, or maybe Cassie's parents... There is no time. No time. The Andalite said. His eyes brightened. Perhaps. What? Go into my ship. You will see a small blue box, very plain. Bring it to me. Quickly. I have very little time, and the Yurks will find me soon. We looked at each other. Who was going to be the one to go inside the ship? Somehow, we all seemed to agree it would be me. Actually, I didn't agree, but everyone else did. Go ahead, Tobias said. I want to stay with him. He knelt beside the Andalite and placed a comforting hand on the alien's narrow shoulder. I looked at the doorway into the spacecraft. I glanced at Cassie. Go ahead, she said, sending me a smile. You're not scared. She was wrong. I was plenty scared. But the way she smiled at me, I wasn't about to weasel out. I walked over to the door of the ship and looked inside. It was surprisingly simple. It looked cozy, almost. Everything was a creamy color with rounded edges and shapes that tended to be oval. That was one of the things that helped me spot the box so easily. It was sky blue and square, maybe four inches on each side. It seemed kind of heavy for being so small. I stepped up into the ship. There was no chair, just a sort of open space where I guess the Andalite stood on his four hooves while he worked the few controls. There weren't a lot of buttons or anything. I wondered if the Andalite controlled the ship with his thoughts. I quickly reached for the box and started to head back outside. But then something caught my eye. It was a small, three-dimensional picture. Four Andalites standing all together, looking like a strange gathering of deer with solemn faces. Two of them looked like very small kids. I realized that this was a picture of the Andalite's family. It filled me with sadness to think that he was here, dying, a million miles from his family, dying because he had tried to protect the people of Earth. I felt a small flame of anger against the Yurks, or controllers, or whatever they were, for causing this. I went back to the circle of my friends. Here's the box, I told the Andalite. Thank you. I, um... Was that your family? That picture? Yes. I'm real sorry, I said. What else could I say? There is something I may be able to do to help you fight the Yurks. What? Rachel demanded. I know that you are young. I know that you have no power with which to resist the controllers. But I may be able to give you some small power that may help. We all looked at each other. All except Tobias, who never took his gaze off the alien. If you wish, I can give you powers that no other human being has ever had. Powers? 
What was that supposed to mean? It is a piece of Andalite technology that the Yurks do not have. The Andalite explained. A technology that enables us to pass unnoticed in many parts of the universe. The power to morph. We have never shared this power, but your need is great. Morph? Morph how? Rachel asked, her eyes narrowed. To change your bodies. The Andalite said. To become any other species. Any animal. Marco laughed derisively. Become animals? Marco isn't the most accepting person in the world. You will only need to touch a creature to acquire its DNA pattern, and you will be able to become that creature. It requires concentration and determination, but if you are strong, you can do it. There are limitations, problems, dangers even, but there is no time to explain it all. No time. You will have to learn for yourselves. But first, do you wish to receive this power? He's kidding, right? Marco asked me. No, Tobias said softly. He's not kidding. This is nuts, Marco said. This whole thing is nuts. Yurks and spaceships and slugs taking over people's brains and andalites and the power to change into animals? Give me a break. Yeah, it is beyond weird, I agreed. We're off the map of weirdness by this point, Rachel said. But unless we're all just dreaming, I think we'd better deal with this. He's dying, Tobias reminded us. I'll do it, Cassie said. That surprised me. Cassie isn't usually so quick to decide. But I guess, like Tobias, she felt the truth of what the Andalite was saying. I think we should all decide together, I suggested, one way or the other. What's that? Rachel asked. She was looking up toward the stars. Far, far overhead. Two pinpoints of bright red light were shooting across the sky. Yurks. The Andalite said the word in our minds, and we could feel his hatred. Hi everyone, Daniel here. Thanks for listening to episode 2 of Audiomorphs. I'm still pretty new at this, so I'm trying to figure out the best way to go about distributing this uh, time-wise. Ten-minute episodes seem little short, so for now we're gonna try two chapters per episode. If you want to hear more of this bootleg audiobook slash podcast, be sure to visit soundcloud.com slash audiomorphscast. If you have questions or want to yell at me to get a Twitter or Facebook or something so that you can yell at me more publicly, you can do that through audiomorphscast.tumblr.com or at audiomorphscast at gmail.com. I hope you're all enjoying the ride so far, and I will see you next episode. Bye bye